Welcome to the audio podcast of Dwell in the Word from First Reformed Church in Edgerton, Minnesota. Bible readings and devotional commentary to help you grow in faith by dwelling in God's holy word. Welcome to Dwell in the Word. Today is Monday. It is January 17th. We begin with another prayer from lifting up our hearts. Let us pray. Grant, Almighty God, as long as our pilgrimage in this world continues, that we may feed on such diet for the necessities of the flesh as may never corrupt us. And may we never be led aside from sobriety, but may we learn to use our abundance by preferring abstinence in the midst of plenty. Grant also that we may patiently endure want and famine, and eat and drink with such liberty as always to set before us the glory of your name. Lastly, may our very frugality lead us to aspire after that fullness by which we shall be completely refreshed, when the glory of your countenance shall appear to us in heaven, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. All right, we are in one of my absolute favorite parts of the book of Acts. We're going to see Paul at uh, Paul addressing the Areopagus. Uh, we're going to be looking at Acts 17, verse 16, through the end of chapter 17, which is verse 34. Hear the word of the Lord. Now, while Paul was waiting for them in Athens, his spirit was provoked within him as he saw that the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and the devout persons and in the marketplace every day with those who happened to be there. Some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers also conversed with him, and some said, What does this babbler wish to say? Others said, He seems to be a preacher of foreign divinities, because he was preaching Jesus and the resurrection. And they took him and brought him to the Areopagus, saying, May we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting? For you bring some strange things to our ears. We wish to know, therefore, what these things mean. Now all the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there would spend their time in nothing except telling or hearing something new. So Paul, standing in the midst of the Areopagus, said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious. For as I passed along and observed the objects of your worship, I found also an altar with this inscription, To the unknown God. What therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands, as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each one of us, for in him we live and move and have our being. And even some of your own poets have said, for we are indeed his offspring. Being then God's offspring, we ought not to think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and imagination of man, the times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent because he has fixed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. Now when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked. But others said, We will hear you again about this. So Paul went out from their midst, but some men joined him and believed, among whom also were Dionysius, the Areopagite, and a woman named Damaris, and others with them. This passage is really interesting because we see Paul interacting more with a Greek audience, don't we? Now, he goes, he is in Athens, and he finds the synagogue where the Jews gather, 
and he he talks with them. But we see that he also goes into the marketplace every day and talks with those who happen to be there. Now, this was a place where people would go and they would share their thoughts, they would philosophize, etc. And we see in verse 18 that some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers, two different schools of philosophy, they talked with him. And you got to love what it says here. What does this babbler wish to say? They thought that he was out of line because he wasn't speaking the normal conventional things that that they would talk about. And notice, he, they think that he's a preacher of foreign divinities, which really he was a preacher of a foreign god, but it was the true God. And what caused him to be noticed in this way? It was because he was preaching Jesus and the resurrection. That would have been an interesting thing for these people to hear. They would not have had it in their pagan minds. Uh, They were very religious, as we see Paul say, but in their pagan minds, they would have no category for the idea that Jesus humbled himself and took on human flesh and and suffered and died and rose again. The resurrection would have been baffling to them, and we see that it was. So they take him to the Areopagus, which was where uh, there was a council. They would would question people. They wanted to know what he was saying. And so Paul gives a fantastic, fantastic uh, speech or sermon here. He, you know, starts from the fact that they acknowledge that there's a God that they don't know. And so he uses that as an opportunity, as an opening to tell them about who that God is. This is not a God who dwells in buildings. This is a God who has created everything. He is not served by the hands of men. Instead, he gives everything to men. What what an amazing way to bring about talking about the truth of the gospel that Paul uses here. And so eventually he gets to this point and he he talks about the resurrection, but he talks about this time where, uh, verse 30, this time of ignorance is, is what he says here. Now, the idea is, is that you, that the Gentiles were not receiving this message. There was a time where they were not receiving the message of who God was. And so now that time is over. And now This message is going out to everybody. And Paul takes that message seriously, doesn't he? Because he's going into the marketplace to tell people to repent. He realizes the consequence of the truth of the gospel, that if you do not repent and believe, you will not be saved. And what does he say here? That it's time to repent because God has fixed a day where he will judge the world in righteousness. There is a time coming where people will be judged. And so he is sharing the gospel. And he says, at the end of verse 31, and of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. So the idea is is that Jesus has risen from the dead, and so he will be alive to judge the people that are being are to, are to be judged, for lack of a better way of putting it. He is alive. He was righteous, and he suffered and died, but he has resurrected. That was the key. He wanted people to hear the truth of the gospel, even though it was absurd to them. He still keeps going back to the idea of the resurrection. Why? Because it's true. Because Christ really did rise from the dead. Well, this sort of gets him in trouble. It would have been a lot easier for him to soften the message, right? To just get them to follow along with his philosophy. He could have left the resurrection out and talked about the idea that God was this all-powerful being, that they, they really know he's this unknown God He could have softened the message, right? But he did not do that. And when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, what happened? Some mocked. 
They mocked him. They made fun of him. But what did others say? They'll, they'll hear you again about this. But we also read in verse 34 that some men joined him and believed. What an amazing thing that Paul has done. He has gone into a, a secular setting, a place where there's just a bunch of philosophers and, and pagans and people who have no category for understanding what he's talking about. And he's taken them and he has done the proclamation of the gospel in such a way that they hear and believe despite their preconditions. What has happened? The Spirit has been at work in those people because Paul was faithful to proclaim the true gospel of Christ crucified and resurrected, right? He died and he rose again, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. And so Paul was faithful to do what he's been called to do, and he understood the gravity of it because there is a judgment coming. And so for us, as we think about what this passage means for us today, we see a world, right, that we live in that looks very similar to the world that Paul is addressing here. There are a lot of people who have a category for the idea that there is, there is God out there somewhere, but maybe they don't know him as Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Maybe they don't understand that Christ has been crucified and resurrected. And if, if we were to share that to some people, it's, it's likely that you and I would be mocked. But it doesn't matter whether or not we are mocked. We don't soften the edges of the gospel because someone will make fun of us. What matters is, is that it's true. Christ did die. He did rise again from the dead. And because of that, he will come to judge the living and the dead. And so we need to understand the gravity of that. And so instead of softening the gospel, hoping that, that people will come to faith on their own because it's appealing, may we faithfully trust that Christ is doing his work through his word and the Holy Spirit will be at work at people in people. So may we proclaim this gospel of Jesus Christ, regardless of what might happen to us if we proclaim it. May we trust instead in the power of the word and the power of the spirit to do the work that the spirit and the word do. Let us go to prayer. Gracious Lord, we know that it is in you that we live and move and have our being. We praise and thank you that through the proclamation of your word, we have heard and believed the good news of salvation in Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit at work in us. Grant that like Paul, we would proclaim this truth in an unbelieving world that others may hear and believe the good news of the gospel. Today, as we bring our prayers to you, we pray for your church around the world. We pray that your people would be united through the message of the cross and that we would be reminded that we are a people brought together, not by any earthly markers, but instead we are a people from every tribe, tongue, and nation that is united in what Jesus has done for us in his death, resurrection, and ascension. And as we head out into your world for another day, we ask that you would give us a peace that passes understanding. May our trust in your gospel be apparent to those that we come into contact with today. We pray this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Okay. I hope you have a great start to your week. Thank you for listening to Dwell in the Word. You can find more information about First Reformed Church at our website, edgertonfrc.org. Dwell in the Word episodes are available each week on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. You can also watch the video versions of these devotions at our Facebook page and YouTube channel. 